session today on the subject of the how much more father the good gifts that he has for us that he's made available to us and i want to look at a word today called perfection the word perfection it's a word that uh, most people avoid shun and shy away from um, i think because from a lack of really understanding what it means in the scriptures and we, we got, before we read Colossians chapter 1 uh, verses 28 and 29 let's always remember this that God doesn't wait for us to be perfect before he will accept us uh, he is the only one who is absolutely perfect in everything but we are accepted in the beloved as Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 tells us and Romans 15 7 says that we to accept one another just as Christ has accepted us in other words with warts and all no matter what our problems are no matter what we like all the flaws that we have God accepts us in Christ so if we can get that behind us we can then have a look at this word perfection without kind of resisting it and resisting what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to say to us related to this word um, while God doesn't expect us to be perfect like he's perfect scripture actually does actually say this uh, be ye perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect uh, what does that really mean and again he says uh, in Matthew 19 verse 21 remember he said to that rich young ruler Jesus said if you want to be if you would be perfect go sell what you possess and give it to the poor uh, it's it's the Greek word for perfect is the word teleos and it can be translated in a number of ways. It can, be, it can mean maturity. It can mean also to become an adult, moving away from childhood. It can also mean finished or complete, as well as being perfect. And it also carries the thought of being uh, fulfilling the purpose for which it, uh, you were or, or the, the object of perfection was created. God wants us to fulfill what he created us for. So... It's the same word that's used in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to look at perfection from the point of view of maturity. And while it's more than that, uh, it, there's also this perfect love, which is also mature love in a sense. Uh, but let's have a look. At, remember this before we read this scripture that I want to. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 6, uh, he's talking about our speaker message of wisdom among the mature. So maturity, perfection teleos is is available and attainable in philippians 3 15 he says all of us who are mature should take such a view in hebrews 5 14 he says that solid food is for the mature and james 3 verse 2 he says we all stumble in many ways anyone who is never at fault is what in what they say is perfect so in other words, there are different levels of maturity. We need to understand that. And you could have a look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, and Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29, which we're going to read now together. And so he, he says this in, in verses 28 and 29. We proclaim him, that is Jesus, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. And then he tells us why so that we may present everyone teleos perfect in christ to this end our labor struggling with all his energy which so powerfully 
works in me. So, in other words, Paul's saying, it's my desire to see you become perfect. And it should be our desire, especially those of us that are in ministry, but for our own lives, but also for the people we're leading, to see them become perfect. So I want to take a little slightly different approach uh, this, this, in this session to, uh, to what maturity or perfection really looks like. Most of which is found in 1 and 2 and uh, Timothy and Titus, but also scattered throughout the Bible. So this, that's where I want to launch from and uh, give you some th thoughts on it and ask you just by the Spirit of God to allow the Holy Spirit to work in you while you answer honestly the levels of maturity that you're, you, you're at now, the, in other words, the level of perfection, and to see whether you really are growing in that maturity or whether you've somewhere stagnated. So when you look at what Paul says about leadership in Ephesians chapter, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 2, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, etc., 2 Peter 5, I think it is, when you look at these uh, pictures of what leadership should be, they're not kind of a, a standard for, this is a standard for leaders, and there's another standard for the rest of the body of Christ. In other words, leaders can only have one wife, but other uh, ordinary believers can have as many as they like. That isn't what he's saying. Believers should not be given too much wine, but it's okay for believers to, be, to dr drink and get drunk all the time. You see... There aren't two standards. He really is saying to us, to, in order to be a leader in the body of Christ, there has to be a, a level of maturity uh, in your life, that you've reached a level of maturity under God. And, uh, and that's what we're going to look at it from that, that point of view. We're going to approach the subject of perfection, maturity, uh, with that in mind, maturity expressed through the requirements of leadership that by the Spirit of God, Paul writes to these men, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus, and Peter writes about. <clears throat> so here's a few of those things that I'd like to just share with you. First of all, this is showing us what maturity is and also showing us how they steps to, as it were, for us to take to reach maturity. And so the first one I want to touch, I don't know that this is the order of importance. I keep wanting to say that because... I just wrote these down as I, as I felt under God when I was preparing these different messages. But it's maturity is the ability to keep yourself fed and nourished and healthy without having to run to other people all the time. In other words, that you don't be drain the leadership uh, when you're in leadership. Mature people know how to feed themselves while we need teachers, while we need to go uh, uh, the instruction of preachers and teachers. We also need to know that if they're not available, we know how also to feed ourselves, nourish ourselves, strengthen ourselves, be encouraged, etc. So that's so essential. Psalm, 100 and Psalm, 1, Psalm 23, sorry, I, went, I saw another Psalm written here, Psalm, another one. But Psalm 23, remember, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not, not want, or I lack nothing. So... We need to be able to go to the shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep, Jesus Christ himself, and keep ourselves uh, uh, encouraged and fed and nourished and strong and healthy in Christ, spiritually, without draining other people. 
So moving on from that quickly, uh, so much I could say that. In other words, maybe I should just touch one or two things quickly on that. I just We have to develop the ability to have all our needs met in Jesus, the chief shepherd, who will lead us into, um, cause us to lie down in green pastures, lead us into, uh, beside still waters, etc., etc., who even in the presence of our enemies, he, he prepares a table, a banquet for us to keep us refreshed and f fed and strong, etc. So we could go on. But it's also uh, the ability, uh, knowing how to uh, to receive revelation from God, a willingness to crucify all your prejudices and preferences, etc., preconceived ideas, and taking time to let God teach you and turn or should I say, or, can, or burn all his truths, his plans, his ways, his will, etc., indelibly upon your heart. You can have a look at 1 John 2, verses 20 and 27, Isaiah 48, 17 and 18, Isaiah 50, verse 4. I, I'm, what I'm doing here is I'm giving you these thoughts, I'm giving you scripture references. If you're serious, you'll go and look them up for yourself, but I can't keep spoon-feeding. All right, we're talking about maturity. Uh, so we know how to to receive revelation from God. And also, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through to 6, uh, give us a major part of the solution of being able to look after ourselves, be fed in Christ without running and needing people around us all the time to be doing it for us. In Ephesians chapter 4, he tells us through prayer, uh, petition, uh, praise, and presenting our needs to God, those four things, prayer, petition, praise, and presenting equals peace. So that's the first one, the ability to keep yourself healthy, fed, nourished, strong in Jesus. It's also, secondly, uh, we'll find this in the scriptures as well, the ability to keep yourself encouraged, enthusiastic, and passionate, no matter what. Not ruled by your emotions. Remember David at Ziglag? In 1 Samuel 30 verse 6, he encouraged himself in the Lord. When we are faced with these situations, the mature people remember the fact of uh, that they can call upon God. And the call of God on our lives supersedes our emotional states where we just quit. We just, no matter how tough or discouraging things become, uh, or how blessed or, unfruit, uh, or, or fruitful we may, we're only fulfilling the call at, uh, on our lives. In other words, the, the reason for our existence. Standing upon God's promises, encouraging yourself in the prophecies that God has given to you, uh, that's God spoken over your life. Uh, look at Hebrews 11, verses um, I think it's 8 to 11, uh, verse 8 and then verses 11 and 12. And have a look at Romans 4, verses 1 to 3, 16 through to 25. Worshipping God, this is all part of keeping yourself encouraged, enthusiastic and passionate for God. Worshipping Him, even in the painful times, the turbulent times, the distressing times, discouraging times, like Paul in Acts 16 and 20, verses 25 and 26, even in prison, they sang praises. Developing the ability, in, this is all still part of uh, keeping yourself uh, enthusiastic, uh, developing the ability to see and focus on the donut 
not the hole in the donut, to the water that's in the half-filled glass, not the half-filled, the empty part, but the water in there. So learn to bring every thought into captivity to Christ, as 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5 says, and 1 Peter verse 1, chapter 1, verse 13 says, Gird up the loins of your mind, or prepare your, your loins or your, your minds. So keep yourself encouraged. Maybe I should just bring this in. I'm, I'm wanting to rush, but I don't want to rush. <laughs> to know how not to confess. This is all keeping ourselves encouraged. How not to confess things, negative things, even when your feelings are negative. Not to make dis decisions, any dis major decisions, while you're discouraged, hurt, or uh, fearful. Just understand this. That after mo even when Jesus, after most exhilarating encounters with God, or releases of the anointing, or opening of doors that are exciting, there normally will be a test from Satan. It happened to Elijah, 1 Kings 17 and 18, after that mighty victory over all the prophets of Baal, etc., suddenly Jezebel appears uh, and Elijah flees for his life. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13, right through to chapter 4, verse 11, Jesus' baptism, after the Holy Spirit's come on him, suddenly he's tempted, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. So keep yourself encouraged. That's a sign of maturity. Um, sign of God's perfecting, having his own way, the reason for my existence. Thirdly, you're not easily hurt. Mature people are not easily hurt. So don't take everything personally. Criticism, rejection, expressed anger, challenges, etc. Proverbs chapter 17 and Proverbs chapter 19 verse 11 says this man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. Self-pity is a raging fire. Hard to control later. Nursing and rehearsing, even subtly, it, it's really immaturity. Look at Jesus on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So that's the third one. You're not easily hurt. Fourthly, don't try to manipulate or allow yourself to be manipulated. That is by people or situations uh, for the gratification of uh, or, or, or for your own gratification or for you or for your own use don't don't manipulate people and don't allow them to manipulate manipulate you manipulation is, is part of the occult really it, it releases the occult into the situation manipulation is about control the wrong authority being ex exercised in one's life like Jezebel over her husband who was the king Look at 1 Kings chapter 21, verses 1 through to 10 and verse 25. And have a look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 20. So what's your body language? Don't try to manipulate. It's not only by your words. You can manipulate by your body language, you know. It speaks, sometimes your body speaks louder than your words. A pout. Sulking. Sulking is a major way to get your own way. A despairing gasp. 
self-pity, withholding affection. All of these things, even a shrug of the shoulders, all of these things are manipulation. So let's move on to the fifth one. Looking at maturity, perfection. Responding, learn to respond and not react. Remember Mary when, when the Spirit of God told her, the angel said, the Spirit of God will come on you and you'll, that you'll, you'll birth the Messiah. She pondered his words, didn't react. All of us need to learn how to ponder, to filter what has been said, what has happened before responding. We need to learn how to develop the skill. Sometimes we just need a count to 10 when something comes at us that wants us to react. Just count to 10 before we say anything or respond in any way. Moving on quickly. Taking a sign of maturity, perfection, perfection being developed in our lives that we're growing is taking responsibility or ownership for your own sins and failures, not always blaming others. Babies blame others. Children blame others. Adults should be able to take responsibility and not for their own, for their own sin and failure, but close to that, and this will be my next point, taking responsibility or ownership of the administration and outworking of your, own, of your life. In other words, it's effectiveness. Your obedience and obligation of serving the King and the Kingdom, the Great Commission, you're being fruitful. Stop blaming others. If only I had different a different circumstance, if only I had a different spouse, if only I had a different leadership, if only I had a different church, all these things uh, are just blaming others and signs of immaturity. God's placed you where you are, with who you have. Stop blaming others and take responsibility for the administration of your life and its fruitfulness and outworking. Take it for responsibility for yourself. Then the next one, I think it's number eight. You don't self-promote and always want to be the center of attraction or the main star. Have a look at 1 Corinthians 13, 11. I'll just give you a couple of attitudes of, of, of childishness here. Wanting to be the center of attraction, showing off, bragging, self-promoting, selfish, a thrill seeker, the goosebump syndrome. All of these are signs of immaturity. We need to return to the hard attitude of people who went before us, who really wanted to hide behind the cross so that people saw Jesus and that he was the center of attraction, like the Holy Spirit, who could be the center of attraction, who is there to glorify Jesus. Number nine, you don't criticize and you don't slander. Have a look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through to 3. Criticism generally, if not always, is a way of bringing down others in order to make yourself look good. It's immature. Your attempt to destroy the reputation and standing, and their standing in society through slander, it's immature. That's what children do. We need to rediscover the following truths that Jesus said, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile. Have a look at Isaiah 53 verse 7 and 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12 to 17. 
Criticism is a subtle form of revenge. Mature people live out of the heart attitude of Romans chapter 12, and you can look it up for yourself, Romans 12, verses 17 to 21. I'm so tempted to read these scriptures, but I really want you to look for the, uh, at them for yourselves. And then the next one is don't involve yourself in, um, what's the word I want? Or free yourself from party or preacher political being from being a preacher or political political or party party political have a look at 1 Corinthians 3 verses 1 to 9 some say they are Paul other Apollos Cephas etc is Christ divided don't allow yourself to feel that your group or your church is superior to others or don't allow yourself to become involved in church squabbles. I have seen family split, friends, friendships broken that have been established for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I'm 79 years, 78 years old now. I've seen some friend, long established friendships being smashed by people becoming party political. Preaching political, favorite preachers. Don't allow yourself to get involved in that. Moving on to number, I think it's number 11. Develop the ability to see the long-term ramifications or results of your choices. A child wants immediate gratification. Give me now. I'll take the smaller, the, the, the less benefit, but it looks, this is what meets my need right now. We've got to be... Able, don't be too impulsive, but don't be overcautious. Too impulsive, we won't make we make decisions without thinking where this decision decision will end up and what comes with that decision. And overcautious people just never make a decision. They always keep their options open. And in leadership and maturity, you've got to make some decisions. So develop the ability, ask God to help you to see the long-term ramifications. And that's a sign of maturity. If that's already happening in your life, you, you can say, praise God, I'm beginning to grow. We're in this process. It's a lifelong process of developing maturity. And then don't... Another sign is that you don't want from others, but you provide, provide for them. I remember some pastor once saying to me, I pastored that church, I planted that church, they owe me. They need to look after me for the rest of my life. And I, that's just a sign of immaturity. Paul actually says that the parents provide for the children. Adults are not always saying, you owe me. Jesus said in Acts 20, verses, verse 35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. In Luke 16, 37 and 38, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8, that almost that whole chapter, chapter 9. And then Galatians chapter 6, verses seven, uh, 1 through to 10, but especially verses 7 and 10. So you, you, you don't want from others, but you provide for others. Signs of maturity. And then also, number 12, or 13, is that you are productive, not exhausting. What do I mean by that? Have a look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. 
and then verses 7 through to 8. Some people are very draining people. Heavy weather, hard to be with. Maturity causes us to be productive, fruitful, effective, refreshing, like the John 15, fruitful, more fruit, fruit that lasts. And then there's a cluster of those signs of maturity found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through to 16, that I'll just quickly tell you what they are, works of service. In other words, involvement. Involvement is a sign of maturity. A heart for true unity in verse 13 is a sign of maturity. A sound knowledge of Jesus, verse 13, is a, is a sign of maturity. And then it goes on, uh, grounded in the faith, verse 14. Able to speak the truth in love, verse 15. And then relational, joined and held together, verse 16. The next quick one, and I see our time is really running out now. Maturity means that we're able to digest meaty theology, meaty doctrine, meaty teaching. The Hebrews 5.14 and Hebrews 6.1. Not always wanting to be spoon-fed. And I want it now syndrome. Not always having to go over the, the same old basics of the faith in your own life. Like Hebrews 6 verses 1 through to 3. Not laying again the foundations of but the ability to train yourself to distinguish between good and evil. Hebrews 5. Have a look at verse 14. But read verses 11 through to 14 there. Theology should be explained simply. Not confusing. And yet there will always be the mystery. Even while we can understand most. Colossians 1.25 and 27. Colossians 2.2. 2, Romans 5.25. Ephesians 1.9. Ephesians 3, verses 3 to 6, and, and then verse 9. Those who are not grounded in good theology will never mature. They'll never last into the, uh, through the, the, the hard times coming in the last days. At 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through to 16, it tells us it's coming. Maturity is for the wise. Wisdom is for the mature. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through to 16, but take a special note of verse 6. Theology actually isn't boring. When it's taught biblically, it releases power. Have a look at 1 Corinthians 2, verse 4. And then there's the, closely linked to that, is the ability to persevere. James chapter 1, verse 4. But have a look at verses 2 through to 4, and then have a look at verse 12. Allowing the Word of God, the will of God, the ways of God, to control your emotions, pain, your tiredness, exhaustion, encouraging yourself in the promises of God. Very often, trials are God's giving you an opportunity to bring the focus of your life and your ministry back to Him. As uh, the scripture tells us, consider it pure joy. And then moving on, number 17. Progress, pushing forward, Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through to 16, but taking NB notice of verse 15. Not always living in the past, pressing forward. <coughs> Not always looking, uh, living in the past, the good or the bad. Some or keep on longing for the good old days. Others live the guilt 
uh, and, and live in fear of, of the past. <coughs> For sins committed, opportunities missed, uh, those who took advantage of them, regrets, whatever the case may be. Remember, God restores what the locusts have eaten. So we've got to push forward, forgetting what is behind us, press on towards the mark, the call of the high calling of God. Uh, we have a kingdom, according to the, the book of Hebrews, the chapter, 12th chapter, verse 28 and 29, that cannot be shaken. What, the only things that can be shaken out of our lives are those things that are not part of the kingdom. So, in conclusion, let me just wrap up by saying this. We're created eternal beings. We, live, we need to live with eternity in mind. Eternity in our hearts. This life is the only place that we have to mature. The quick fix messages that some people preach or we like to hear is keeping the church immature, babies. Have a look at Hebrews 11 again, verses 25 to 27, verses 33 to 38. We need to say, God, I want to thank you for the word perfection. I want to thank you that you are perfecting in me, making me mature. I want to thank you that I used to be such a babe, but now I'm growing up. And while I've got a long way to go still, I'm thanking you with all my heart. I praise you. While I pray for more growth, development, perfection, usefulness, fulfilling what you call me to do, I thank you that I've come a long way under God by your Spirit because of my love for Jesus. So will you bow your heads? Father, thank you that you love us with an a love that can never end, that you always love us. You'll never love us more than now. You'll never love us less than now. You'll love us consistent and help us to look to you, forget the past and push on that you may make us more and more like Jesus, the mature one. We ask it in his name and your blessing I ask, please, upon all your people that listen to this, and your whole church in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.